Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Good morning, North Shore. How are you doing? Online, how are you? It's good to see you. You can say hello in the chat line. Just so you know, we look at those later, so say hi to me. Uh, I'm glad that you are here. Uh, well, this morning I, I come with a, a heavy heart. Uh, many of you receive uh, our emails, and you know, uh, you know, just was thinking and praying coming in about that, and, and then as I walked in, I ran into a few of you um, uh, telling me about just some some hurts and pains and sickness and different things, and I just reminded on, um, you know, what had my heart heavy this morning is uh, Lonnie Schaffnitz. Uh, Lonnie and Greg have attended North Shore for uh, over two decades. Lonnie was an admin for the worship uh, department and served faithfully there. Uh, Greg is our group's pastor currently. And uh, last Monday, Lonnie had a stroke. Um, and so during this COVID time, uh, what's really challenging is uh, in a, a medical emergency, someone's hospitalized, they don't let family go in. And so it just takes that pain and seems to amplify it. And so just hurting with that, um, you know, God uh, made a way, and I was able to go sit with her uh, two different times. And I just sat at her bedside, uh, reading scripture, uh, crying with her, uh, holding her hand. The conversation we had was really what this message is all about. And I I just want to say this, you know, when we come up here, and I, I'm not assuming that you take it this way. I just want to challenge us. Um, uh, you know, when we hear God's word, let's just don't take it into the surface. You know, we talked about hope. Our series is about how hope changes everything, the, the vision and mission for this church. And as I held Lonnie's hand as we cried together, I tell you what, uh, the title of this message rang way more true than sitting in my office preparing, even speaking right now, to hold her hand. She can't speak. You know, she has a feeding tube. And to see tears come out of her eyes as we talked about hope and, and calling her to hold on to Jesus. Don't lose hope. And to see her head that she could barely move, nod yes. And then to walk in here and hear the stories. So I'm going to invite you to do something with me. Will you stand with me? If you're brave enough at home, you stand with me too. I just feel uh, just a, a need for us just to pray over our congregation, right? There is a lot of hurt out there, a lot of pain. Uh, but we believe this. There's a hope, capital H, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he will never leave us or forsake us. And it's in those dark, painful times uh, that that just rings so true more than just sitting in a message or even in a devotion time. It's those moments where you're, his faithfulness is strong. And many of you are in those situations. Many of you have friends in those situations. So I'd just like to pray over us. And as I'm praying, if somebody comes to your mind, you just pray for your family, yourself, whatever God's doing. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And you are our only hope, the gift of your son, Jesus. So as a congregation, as family, we come before you and we intercede. You call us to pray in every situation. 
and we do, whether it's Lonnie in a hospital recovering from a stroke, her family uh, sitting and, and wondering what is life going to be like now. People have been struggling with ailments, family members with cancer, contemplating whether you'll lose your job or not. The things I've heard this very morning, Father, I pray the Holy Spirit's presence over each situation. God, would you do a mighty, powerful work. Show yourself in each person's life. And God, I pray as a church, when we hear those words that hope changes everything, they are far from a slogan, but they are a deep belief and conviction because we believe hope did change the world, has changed the world, and can change our world. And so it's in your name we pray, in hope's name, in Jesus' name, we pray and say amen. We love you. Please be seated. Thank you. Love you guys. Uh, make sure you're letting us know so we can pray for you, whatever you may be going through. Uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will get it to you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. And you can turn to Luke chapter 15. And as I stated we are in um, our fall series, which we're talking about our vision and our mission. You know, and our vision is that we believe that we will see our communities changed through hope in Jesus one person at a time. And we have a mission, these mission steps that we believe if we live those out, it's going to create a culture that will allow us to see that vision come to pass to see our communities change. Last week I talked about passionately pursuing Jesus. You know, you'll see when we write out hope, we always say capitalize the H because it's a person, it's Jesus. And we are called not just to believe in him, not just to step in religious exercise, but to passionately with all of our hearts pursue him. And that's our charge. And we look at radically loving one another and the compassionately serving our neighbors and relationally discipling, discipling all people. And I want to share with you, um, some of you have heard this, but how did we get this mission, vision and mission? Uh, it was 2017-18. So before I was a lead pastor here, one evening, um, I was sleeping, I think, about 1.30 in the morning, and, and many of you had that where God is just stirring in your heart and your mind. And um, I woke up, and I just saw these words and these things. Like, oh, what's that? So I, I'll deal with that in the morning. So try to roll over and go to sleep. And, you know, God just keeps nudging you. He's nudging me, nudging me. And I wake up, and I kind of see clearly what he's saying in these words he's putting on my mind. And I said, well, I didn't know what that has to do with anything. Uh, at that time, I was a community pastor here at the church. Um, and he just wouldn't let up. So I said, okay. So I said, I don't know. I'm, I've got up out of bed. It's 2.30. I remember looking at the clock, snuck out of the room, opened my computer, and just typed those words down. Okay? Closed it down. Went back to bed. Fell asleep. And that was good. <laughs> A couple years later, um, this church calls me to be the lead pastor. And so like every new leader, you think, okay, uh, what's our mission? What's our vision? Right? So we're talking about it, and you know, we had an elders retreat, and, uh, and getting ready for that. So I went up and was thinking about something. So I opened my computer and started typing something, 
And I thought, boy, I hope that, you know, so, you know, God was just speaking to me on that. And I went to save a couple lines and create a folder called Vision. Well, I already had one. So what's that? So I opened it up, and it was those words that I wrote at 2.30 in the morning two years earlier. I opened that up. I started looking at these. I said, whoa. Uh, and, uh, and I you know, took it to the elders, and we prayed over it. We talked about it. took it to the staff. We prayed about it. Most of those words are the exact words that you'll see here in this vision and mission. And I believe God spoke to us, spoke to me. I had no idea why hope was so important until this crazy thing called, uh, what do we call it, the coronavirus. Remember that thing? Um, and all this, and I just started making sense. And then, of course, you know, being the lead pastor. So I'm excited just to come together and say, you know, I really believe God has spoke to us as a church, and this vision and mission is God's word and our charge to go out to see our communities change through hope in Jesus one person at a time. So today, we're going to look at number two, you know, and just how to create that culture, and that is to radically love one another. And, and radical, that word, right? I grew up in a time that we said radical all the time, right? Young, oh, that's rad, man. Some of you remember that? Uh, what does radical mean? It's uncommon, right? It's not normal. It's far above it's, it's mind-blowing, radical love. Has anyone ever radically loved you? Have you ever been radically loved by somebody? As I was thinking about this question, I was remembering uh, someone who radically loved me. Uh, in the seventh grade, uh, you can imagine the seventh grade version of me, right? It's everything you feared, right? That was me in seventh grade. Um, and I was in literature class, and I, uh, I wasn't a scholar. I'll just leave it at that, okay? Um, uh, and in literature class, Mrs. Mathers, um, she started having us read this book by S.E. Hinton called The Outsiders, okay? Um, and she would start talking to me toward the end of class about this book. And it's about these, you know, living on uh, the other side of the tracks, um, kids, and um, they end up rising up through their situation and uh, just have deep thinking. So, uh, you know, not the, the book about the person. Don't judge the person by the cover. There's something deep happening in these kids' lives. So it's really a great book. And so in that, she keeps talking to me after class about it. Eventually gets a few other kids, and we start meeting after school. Read the book. Actually went down to uh, the city for us with Spokane. We drove into Spokane to watch the movie when it came out. But it was the first time that somebody looked at me other than just some sort of poor kid from the mountain, that there's something I offered intellectually, emotionally, uh, and we'd talk, you know, and it just changed everything in my life, my academics, how I pursued life, you know, you know, getting traction to get away from my upbringing, and it was this lady, Mrs. Mathers, who radically loved me. Who has radically loved you? and change the course of your life. Well, today we're going to look at a radical love. In Luke 15, what's going on here, okay? In Luke 15, Jesus is catching some heat because what's going on is he is hanging out with sinners, and the religious of the people are mad. They, what is he doing? And they confront him. What are you hanging out with these sinners for? And he gives a series of parables. And the final one in here starts in verse 11. Luke 15, 11. 
And we see there, as he talks about a radical love, he's going to give us a picture of a radical love. And it's a picture, this parable, of kingdom love. Okay, in the background of this is the lost son or the prodigal son. Okay, the parable goes like this. There's a father who has two sons. Well, the younger son comes and says, hey, can I get my inheritance early? Usually you get your inheritance when the father dies. So he's like, I'm kind of done with you. I want my cash, my money. Father gives it to him. He goes off, leaves his country, goes into a distant country. Uh, so he leaves his family, even appears to lose, leave his faith. And he lives like a wild man. He comes to a place where he just hits rock bottom. And he gets up and he returns home. And this is a place that I want to look at, this radical love, this picture of radical love, this father. And what does this father give him? In verse 20, you see there. The son comes home. In verse 20, we see the father gives him himself. Because it happens, it says the father is waiting for him. As he comes home, and he says he's far off. He's far off. He sees him down the road there. Have you ever waited for a child to come home where you don't know where they're at, and you are pretty sure they're not doing the right thing? So if you are a parent of a teenager, uh, you should raise your hand right now, right? Um, right? So you can feel this a little bit. If you are young and haven't experienced this yet, I'm going to tell you it is the worst time of your life where minutes feel like hours and you're crushed to your core waiting in fear. So this father's waiting, watching, it says. The son appears and the father does something amazing. He runs to him. And this is huge because in the Jewish culture, it's very undignified to run. So he pulls up his garment and runs. And imagine all the sun there and these legs and just, um, it I'm sure was not pretty. And he runs. And when he gets there, he hugs him. Says he kisses him. And just imagine everyone that works for him, the whole community knows this son took off and they know what he did. The shame that he had to have. He had to humble himself in front of his whole community to run and take this wayward son in. And he hugs him and he kisses him. This beautiful expression of radical love. Now, put yourself on the story. Again, if you're a parent of a teenager, <laughs> you can answer this clearly. What would you do? Someone takes a large share of your life savings and goes and spends it, we'll find out later, on prostitutes. What would you do? What do they deserve? The son knows this, right? 
as he comes up to the Father, he has his speech that he has prepared. You look at verse 19. That's him practicing the speech. Okay, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to tell my Father, I've sinned against God, I've sinned against you. Um, take me as your hired servant. It's really important, that word hired. Okay, because there are some bond servants and servants, and those you have for life. A hired servant you fire and get rid of. Right? It's the lowest of low servant you can get is your hired servant. Take me as a hired servant. That's what I deserve. He knows what he did. How he shamed his family. Spent their wealth. This is what I deserve. But what does a father give him? Verse 21. He comes up in that speech he had practiced. He goes and tries to give it. His father interrupts him. See, no, no, there's something different. There's something radical, something mind-blowing that's going to take place here. No. Doesn't even get to finish that speech. His father knows exactly what he's going to do. And that radical love has an absolute different response. The father says to his servants, we're going to show him grace. We're going to show him amazing grace, radical love. Go get the best robe for him. The best robe, right, is something of honor and of value. This is his value. Not this kid with prostitutes or in a pig pen. This is his value. What has the son done to gain that value at this point? You with me? It's radical. It's free. Puts his best robe on him. He takes a ring, puts it on his finger. And that ring is huge. That says, you are my heir again. You took all that wealth, but you still have our signature stamp. That's what a ring was. You are still a full heir of mine. Here's our family name. Here's our family symbol. Here's our family signature. It's yours again. Would you give your wayward kid the credit card? Remember, what has he done to earn that at this point? You with me? Nothing. Put sandals on his feet. And this is huge. See, the servants all were barefoot. So it's only someone in the house who had authority that got sandals. He says, here's your authority back. It's incredible. And we see even the, 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 the scope of it a little later. Uh, the older son, remember his brother from the beginning? He rolls in. Verses 22 through the, the end of this section here. Uh, he rolls in, and he's like, what's going on? And he's kind of mad. His father looks at him and says, hey, we're celebrating. Because your younger brother was dead. Now he's alive. He was lost, now he's found. He says, everything I have is yours. You have my full, you have everything, that is yours. That is what this celebration is about. He's just stepping back into what I've provided for him. The amazing grace, the radical love I had for this brother of yours. You already have it. That is radical love. 
And Jesus tells us this story for a reason, okay? Because that same radical love, that kingdom love, has been poured out to you. There is a person who radically loves you in that same manner. That's Jesus. There is no greater love, it says in John 15, verse 13, no greater love than this, of what Jesus has done for us, what he's done for you. Look at what Jesus gave us. Jesus gave us himself. Philippians 2 is just a powerful scripture of talking about how the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God himself came down here to earth and took on the likeness of man. Jesus came here for you. Why? John 3.16 tells us. For God so what? Loved the world. God is love. Jesus is love. Greatest act of love, 1 John 4, talks all about the love Jesus had, the why he came and did what he did. He gave himself for us. What do we deserve? So that picture of the prodigal son, you know who the prodigal son is? Right? Each one of us. Each one of us. We are traitors. We say there's a God in heaven. We believe in Jesus, but we sin. We live a life without faith. We go our own way. We do our own thing. We are the lost son. Romans 6, 23 tells us what we deserve. Romans 6, 23 says, right, the penalty of sin is death. A spiritual death, separation from God for eternity, a holy, powerful, beautiful God, and even a physical death for us. The wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. That's what I deserve. But God has something different in store. Not on our own merit. We can't earn it. Just like that son, before he did anything, radical love is poured out to him. Romans 5.8. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were traitors, while we ignored him, Christ died for us. He loves us. Luke 19.10 says he has, comes to seek and save the lost. He's looking for us. It's radical. And what he does is he pours out his grace on us. That's his love. I want to read this uh, in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read a, a chunk of scripture here. But it just uh, is a great picture of God's grace and what Jesus has given us. Unmerited. Now I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It just reads a little smoother. I'm going to read from verses 3 to 14, Ephesians chapter 1. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. I'll repeat that again. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. 
Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Verse nine. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Verse 12. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, that's us, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. And a little later in Ephesians, it talks about through Jesus Christ, we were given the fullness of God. He poured grace on us, amazing grace that we've been given because he loves us. He radically loves us. So what do we do with this? How do we respond? In John 13, Jesus starts talking about the next steps. And as we look out, what are our next steps? And we think about this radical love of Jesus. In John 13, Jesus is preparing his disciples, the apostles, for what he wants them to do with this love that he's going to express in the days to follow his crucifixion. So what he does in John 13, they're eating uh, the Lord's, uh, the uh, Passover meal. It's the Lord's Supper. You know, we use that verse a lot to talk about communion when he instituted it for us. So they're sitting there eating this. And he does something, something radical. Jesus gets up from the table, takes his outer garment off, walks over, takes the basin, and begins to wash the disciples' feet. I'm really excited. This week in Life Group, as we kick those off, Make sure you're in a life group. If you're not, make sure you sign up out there. Uh, we're going to look at John 13 and Jesus washing the disciples' feet. You see this picture here. Just so you know, this picture is um, on the hallway entering uh, where our staff offices are. You know, one thing I did when I first got this, I talked to Lisa Jacobs' assistant. I said, I want this picture. I want to put it right there. So every time we walk in that hall to go do our jobs here, 
we see this and remember why and what we're supposed to do. is to wash the disciples' feet. So Jesus does this, washes their feet to set an example for them. And this example is radical. Remember whose feet he is washing. He washes Peter's, James, Andrew, and then Judas's. The very person he said moments before that would betray him. He knows what's coming. And he takes those ugly feet that are going to walk in sin and betray our Christ. And he washes them. He says this. He says, what you see me do, go and do likewise. And what he's doing there is he is setting them up to create a community of radical love, radically loving one another. And that community is going to bear witness to him. John 13, verses 34 and 35, right? A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, and they're really going to come to understand that love in a couple days when he goes to the cross, and they watch, they, they watch him be brutalized in that crucifixion trial journey into the cross. They understand it after a while. Right now, he's trying to tell them, we get to read this scripture knowing what's coming. As I have loved you, love one another, so that they will know that you are my disciples. Meaning, as the world watches you, they will know that you are my disciples, that you are a follower of Jesus. This is what Jesus does. He radically loves people. Uncommon, mind-blowing, and it'll change the world. It'll change the world. So go make disciples of these people understand who Jesus is, all that he commands and all that he teaches and loves that way. God calls us, no sure, to be a community that radically loves one another. And when you radically love one another, it changes the world. 2006, we saw an example of that in our country. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 2006, an Amish schoolhouse full of kids, a man entered into there, had all the men leave, Young kids, I gotta be careful. I'm gonna tell the um, 10 kids, girls on the floor. He ended the life of five of them, shot all 10 of them. The entire country converged on this story, right? When a kid is hurt, what do we do? Man, we pay attention. Man, we see sin at its worst. Our hearts are broke. How could, how could, what, and Everybody is glued to their TV watching this horrendous story. And if you had children at the time, your heart broke just imagining those parents and what they had to face that night. A mile away in a home were the parents and the family, the wife of the man that entered that schoolhouse and did that horrendous act. As they sat there trying to make sense of what took place, they noticed 
people coming up the driveway. It was the Amish people. And they saw and they, what do they want? What do they want? Uh, the wife said, I, I was terrified. What, what must they want? I can't imagine how angry they are. And the dad said, let me go, you know, as only a father would do, to go interrupt what they thought this angry mob. And they go to the driveway and they're watching. And they see the Amish man reach out, put his hand on the father, and says, I'm so sorry about your loss. Because his son committed suicide in that schoolhouse after he did those heinous crimes. So I want you to know we love you and we forgive you. We are here with you. The Amish people began to bring meals to that house. Mothers, that daughters lost their lives in that. The next day came over with plates of food and gave it to them. The family could not believe this. Still to date, still to date, um, the the, uh, mother of the man who committed the crimes would every week go, and one of the kids that survived, little children, she'd rock her and she's a baby uh, and visit her every week and do crafts. They'd have the kids come over. The Amish people put an addition to their house, begged them not to move out of the community. And as all this unfolded, all those cameras, all that talk changed. All of a sudden, talking about sin, death, horrible, ugly world stuff. The focus changed on Jesus Christ and radical love. How could it be? How could this even be a thing? Wouldn't you be so mad? And the Amish people who don't go on camera had people speak. They said, don't mistake, we are crushed but we believe God, that he forgave us and asked us to forgive others. He loved us, asked us to love others. And every day we're working through the pain, but we cannot live in unforgiveness because we will never heal. And the world's camera zoomed in and started talking about radical love and Jesus. See, radical love when we radically love one another, the world sees a different Jesus. Beautiful thing this week. I told you about our sister Lonnie. Well, our church got together, a lot of you. And we showed up, and we were on the, right outside the front entrance of the hospital. She was up in her room, and we sang worship songs, and we prayed. We weren't running around with signs, repent, or I drove by a protest about masks and vaccines over the freeway thing. Um, Who do you think the world is going to be drawn to? A group of people facing the hardest thing in their entire life, walking in and saying, you're forgiven because he forgave us. We get it. We understand. That's a community that believes in hope. And hope I'm telling you folks, changes everything when it's lived out. I hope for North Shore here. There is so much hate and division in our country right now. What if? What if we radically loved one another? What if we played a different song versus taking shots, quoting data? What if we loved each other radically? 
I believe this. Like it did in 2006, like it did over 2,000 years ago, it'll change the world. Hope changes everything. Love changes everything. But I'm telling you right now, it's uncommon. You have to step out of yourself and into Jesus and let him do his work. So how do we respond? How do we get on that road? It's interesting. 1 John 3.16 says this. You can't get there. You can't love like that until you've been loved like that. Until you understand what Jesus did for you. While you were a sinner, dead in your sins, no way you could earn it. Understand God sent Jesus Christ for you to go and bore your cross, your shame. He went to the cross. And when we understand that, it gives us the opportunity to radically love like Jesus did and knock the world's socks off. I guarantee you right now, there's so much ugliness now. When you live that out, it'll blow them away. The contrast is so great. The light is so bright because of this darkness. But it starts with you. Saying, yeah, I'm a sinner. Not about religion, not about church. It's about Jesus in your heart saying yes to him. So I'm gonna ask the worship team as they come out um, just to play. And if you're in a place you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're online and you don't know Jesus, if you haven't accepted his radical forgiveness of your sins and invited him by faith, not merit, by faith to be your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna encourage you to do that. Off to the right, over here, my right, your left if you're in-house, as, you know, we got an area for prayer. Uh, just make your way over there, um, and there'll be people to meet you there. So if you're on the prayer team, come up, and, you know, they'll just uh, step off the side and pray with you. If there's something else, uh, maybe you've got one of those sicknesses, you need someone to pray for you. Maybe there's another brokenness, something that you haven't forgiven from your childhood. And it's time to say radically, no bondage. I'm going to forgive. I'll keep working out the pain of it, but I'm going to forgive. I want to be free from this. You come and pray. So will you stand with me? Let's worship the Lord. Love you, North Shore.